Hello, 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 and welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I am Kaya Green. And I'm Stephanie Malik. And today, we are talking about the very first, kind of, not really, but one of the biggest fantasy properties of all time, the quest to end all quests. We are talking about... The Lord of the Rings movies, specifically the movies. Uh, and we're so excited. Steph, are you excited? I'm so excited. <laughs> Absolutely collapses in on herself, like like a ring wraith being stabbed in the face. Oh, man, I'm stoked. Yes, we're so stoked to talk about this because this is one of the fandoms that sort of brought us together. It is. That's really cute. Yeah. It's also, uh, I, I find it funny, our, our tagline is talking to our favorites about their favorites, but... In this case, our favorites is us, and our favorites is Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well, you're one of my favorites. You're one of my favorites. That's canon. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, Steph, for, uh, for people who don't know what Lord of the Rings is before we launch into all of our nerdiness, what is Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings started as a, a three-part novel by J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, supposed to take place after The Hobbit, about 50 years after his other uh, single novel, The Hobbit. It is the story about... Uh, young Frodo Baggins, young being a relative term, uh, who acquires a ring from his Uncle Bilbo. That ring turns out to be the ring of power that everyone's searching for, and they have to go on a quest. Uh, Frodo, along with eight other companions, go on a quest to destroy the ring. Uh, started as a book, uh, and then uh, starting release in 2001, uh, was released as a three-part movie trilogy directed by Peter Jackson through New Line Cinema. That's right. Um, today we're mostly going to be talking about the movies. Um, yes. Obviously, like, it's open to talk about the books, but there are people who are sort of like more well-versed in the books uh, that we would love to talk to specifically about those at some point. Absolutely. Uh, and we know the movies a little bit better. I've been watching them every year since they came out, uh, sort of on a on a Christmas yearly basis, mm -hmm. um, and you it's sort of a similar thing with you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Um, uh, so we know them fairly well, um, so much so that it's kind of more of a talk along thing when we watch them. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think the first time we watched them together, we we like counted how many times Frodo fell down. It's so many. It's so many times. We counted a bunch of other things. I think like every time Legolas says something obvious. Obvious, yes. Right. What what else do we count? I mean. Oh, there's so. I wish I brought that list because we had a running tally, uh, but we only started halfway through the movie, so we have to do that again uh, next time we do a walk. Very true. Okay, so let's start off with some questions here. Uh, we've written questions for each other. I don't know what Steph's questions are, and Steph doesn't know what my questions are. Yeah. So um, this uh, this fandom, uh, we are the guests for this episode uh, because it's, I, think, I, I think they got that. Look, I just want to be specific because I get excited and I forget major details, like saying things like this is a movie. Yeah. So uh, yes, we are we are doing this with ourselves, interviewing ourselves about Lord of the Rings. I'm so excited. You okay? I'm so you okay? excited. <laughs> are you crying? Almost. This is this is. <laughs> Uh, on top of Sailor Moon, this is one of my like deepest fandoms. Yeah. Like I love these movies. Well, what got you into it? Let's let's start there. What, what got you into Lord of the Rings? The year was two thousand. Steph was but a young college student. Um, no, what got me into Lord of the Rings is as I was a kid, my dad read me The Hobbit, uh, and it was such a special moment for me. Uh, and then uh, in two thousand, I started hearing about this movie coming out of the Lord of the Rings, and I was like, I haven't read Lord of the Rings. But I love The Hobbit, and they are starring Elijah Wood, which was my childhood crush. Elijah Wood is definitely my childhood crush. And I was like, okay, hello, I'm excited. You got this cutie in this movie? Great, I'm in. Uh, and then I just started following um, the, the making of the movies, all of the content that would come out about them. And the movie started coming out, and it just took over my life. <laughs> it, it really did. And uh, my best friend and roommate at the time, Carly, and I both got deeply, deeply into it and to the point where every facet of our life, like we had a room that was just Lord of the Rings posters and a, like that four Hobbit cutout 
of them in cardboard. That was in our house. Our Christmas tree was Lord. Like it was everything. We still have remnants of this time in our basement right now. There is like literally an entire tub just full of, full of like Lord of the Rings action figures and toys and stuff, it, it, including a felt doll of Frodo that I made for myself <laughs> with the velour suit. Yeah, so, and you also deep. you also made yourself a, a Hobbit um, like cloak, right? I did not make that. That was Carly. Carly was oh, the, okay. the seamstress. Right. Uh, I was the the skit maker for our cosplay Got days. It. Okay, yeah. my mistake. Sorry. So what was yours? What's your introduction to this world? Honestly, Lord of the Rings kind of uh, goes back in my family. I, I'd say, like, if you... It, it's interesting. Like, I would say this is sort of a bit of a legacy thing for, for my family. Like, my grandfather was a big fan of Lord of the Rings, and I currently have his copy. Uh, he has since left us, but my copy of it is very, very special to me. Um, he used to take Lord of the Rings with him when he would go on business trips uh, when my mom was a kid, um, and he would read all the way through them. Uh, so it, it was a really special book to him, and he passed it to his kids, and then my mother passed it to me. Um, the Hobbit was one of the very first books that I remember loving. Uh, like, I think I, I, my very first memory of writing down my favorite book is, is The Hobbit. Oh. Um, and then when I was in grade eight and the movie started to come out, that got me into the, the Lord of the Rings, the books. And the movies were, I think, uh, again, kind of one of the first times I remember being like, oh my God, I love this movie. Like, I remember sitting in the theater, I forget what other movie I was watching when the trailer released, the teaser that was just them walking over the hill with oh. the music. And I immediately remember thinking, some of those are hobbits. Wait, who's everybody else? What the hell is this? And I never, I never look back. I, I love those movies so much. I think they're not just like incredible storytelling. They're an incredible example of adaptation because they really take those books and they dig into what makes them special. And not everything is exactly the same, but everything has the same spirit. You can really feel the love for the story that Peter Jackson and everybody in the team put into it. And just like the detail, the like... It, they really build the world out and do everything they can to make it feel as real as possible. And I just think it's such a like beautiful example of what like truly, truly loving a world can do and how magical it can feel. And like I still get chills every time I hear some of those themes where I just get Im immediately transported to a world where evil is evil and good is good and we know what we're fighting for. And that's very comforting to me. Do you remember... Uh, watching the movie in the theater. Do you remember anything about that experience for I, you? I do. Um, I I remember watching the first movie and being so delighted by it that when we got to the final frame of them sort of walking in the direction of Mordor um, through, uh, like, towards Emin Mule, um, I remember thinking, no, what? Wait, but what happens? Wait, what happens? <laughs> and being, like, a little upset because I was like, you didn't conclude anything. And then my mother was like, it's a trilogy. And I'm like, oh, oh fantastic. And, like, I remember being there, like, uh, when The Two Towers was coming out, the... Royal Ontario Museum had a uh, had a traveling exhibit where they had a bunch of the sets and costumes, and I remember going to that. And like, I remember school trips to see the third film. Like, it was such a phenomena, and I was exactly the right age to just bury myself in it. Oh. I remember seeing uh, Fellowship of the Ring in the theater, and the first time they show you Hobbiton, they actually show like the wide shot of it, and crying like my my eyes welled with tears my body turned into like goosebumps it was just everything I had pictured it being as a kid Aww. when my dad would read me the hobbit everything it just was correct yes uh, and seeing that that mental image that I had of these places honored on screen and realizing that like that was a world that somebody built and that I could in theory I mean obviously found out years later I could go there yeah I could go to the shire and it was just so beautiful and so exciting. Oh, my goodness. You're, I f can feel your energy, like, winding yeah, up as you talk about it. Okay. Um, my question for you. Yeah. Please rank them in order uh, of your preference. The, the Fellowship movies. of the Ring, The Two Towers, Return of the King. Okay, great. I'm going to use this as an opportunity for those who don't know these stories very well, though I'm sure everybody has, like, a passing familiarity oh. with them, um, to sort of talk through what all three of them are and then why, why I would rank them the way I would. Uh, Fellowship is the story of uh, Frodo and the Hobbits. Part one. Uh, is part one, yeah. In, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. It's the story of the Hobbits sort of leaving the Shire. They find their way to uh, Rivendell, where they uh, meet up with the Fellowship, which is uh, different... 
uh, sort of ambassadors from different uh, kingdoms, like the elves and the dwarves and Gondor. Um, and yeah, they, the race of Gondor. That's right. Um, men. <laughs> yes, the race of men. Um, I try not to make it too much about races. Anyway. Uh, oh, um, fantasy loves making everything about races, They do, though. and we need to not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so then they make their way uh, closer to Mordor, and as they do, they uh, go through uh, Moria, a dwarven kingdom. They go through Lothlorien, an uh, elven kingdom, and eventually get split up by the end of the film. Um, in the second movie, uh, they sort of are all on their own quests. The two so, towers. Uh, yep, the two towers. Frodo and Sam are, are uh, trying to get closer, and they meet up with Gollum, who becomes their guide. Um, the other uh, three, no, sorry, the other two hobbits end up in Isengard and meet a uh, white wizard. No spoilers, I guess, for now. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then in the final film, uh, in the final film, they are. There's a lot of lot more battles. Um, so there's sort of the Battle of Pelennor Fields for Gondor. There's uh, getting closer to Mordor um, and a very big spider. Um, so I, I really uh, jumped off the train of describing them in great detail towards the end there because I realized <laughs> I really undertook too much of a thing here. Anyway. They now, took three books to tell those stories. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, <laughs> sorry if that was boring. Anyway, um, the thing that I would say uh, – in terms of ranking is the first one is the most coherent film. It's the easiest to describe because it is, we're all on one sort of storyline, right? Um, so I would say that's the best film. It's the best story. It's the, it, it, all your favorite characters are together and you love it and it's so good. And it has some of the most iconic moments in the whole series. You shall not pass that whole thing. It you comes know? in pints. That's right, exactly. Um, there's, there's so many iconic moments. My second favorite would probably be Return of the King because it has some like big, beautiful moments. I love the ending. It makes me cry every time. And then the uh, second movie would probably be in third place. Uh, second movies are always hard. They're really difficult. Uh, but it has some really, really wonderful moments. Uh, just the other two I do like better. Yeah. What about you? I mean, I same. I, I think Fellowship is such a beautiful movie. I think it's uh, it gives you such love for the characters. They spend time letting you get to know each of the characters and yeah. what's driving them and showing us their bonds with each other. And then you see those bonds get broken or get forged uh, deeper. It's it's a beautiful film. Two Towers, honestly, I mean, I, I could get hate for this. Helm's Deep, too much. Get out of here. I love Helm's Deep. I know everyone loves Helm's Deep. Not everybody does. Some people are very... I, I, I've, I've heard people who are like, I kind of go up and get a snack during Helm's Absolutely. Deep. Absolutely. I love it. The Two Towers, this is my hot take on the Two Towers. We're not in hot takes, but I'm starting early. Steph. It, hot takes. Steph. Uh, every scene with Arwen in Two Towers, bleh, oh gross, Steph's boring, off get out of here. <laughs> um, I don't care. That's not why I'm in this story. It's not why I like the books, and it's not why I'm in this story. I'm not here for romance. I'm here for... Adventure fighting. and friendship. Um, Helm's fighting. Deep. Helm's Deep. Haldir. I don't care that you died. I really don't care that uh, Craig Parker, the actor who played Haldir, you did a great job. I don't care about your character. Uh, yeah. Uh, so what? How? What does this have to do with ranking? Where did you? Where would you rank that last? Last. Okay. Uh, Two Towers <laughs> is last. I think I like everything that has hobbits in it. I don't care about anything that doesn't have hobbits in it in that movie. <laughs> coming in strong. Coming in strong, coming in hot. Um, I will give the advance warning to the rest of this podcast that this is going to be a lot of Steph's hot feelings about different characters. And um, Return of the King is beautiful. It's my th my second favorite of the three. I think it, it does a beautiful job wrapping up the stories. I know it doesn't match how the book wraps up the stories and... Uh, gonna go out on a limb and say I don't care. I don't care <laughs> that it didn't do what the book did. It's okay if you do care. It's okay if you do care. Uh, I will all of this. It's okay if you love them. It's okay if you do care. Me not caring doesn't make you caring less valid. Uh, so that's but my blanket statement. But I don't care. <laughs> I don't care uh, about it. Uh, there's a lot of like Deus Ex Machina things that happen in. Yes, there's uh, no less than eight endings. The, no less than eight endings, and I got to sit in the theater watching this movie with the people in front of me who did not know the story, and every time it looked like there was an ending, they started gathering their things, and then the light came up and it was a new scene, and they just audibly went, <sighs> It borders on hilarious, It to was be very funny, <laughs> and it, it actually enhanced that experience for me because I knew yeah. how many endings there were going to be. And honestly, they, I, they really work for me because I get progressively more emotional with each one, um, and... Uh, and I'm crying by the end of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Every single time. Every time. Every I can't not time. cry in this movie. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to. I can't. 
Um, okay, so uh, Steph, the creation of these films is a huge undertaking. Um, wh what do you think Peter Jackson did right uh, wh when him and his, his team were making this movie? What do you think he did wrong? Are you talking about final product or like the, the process of getting stuff going? I don't know. Okay, well, I'm just going to talk about the final product. Um, Tom Bombadil out of there, beautiful choice, Peter Jackson. That was, nobody needed Tom Bombadil. Uh, for those who don't know, Tom Bombadil is this like, all-powerful character that they run into in Fellowship of the Ring. Very early, in fact, before they actually meet uh, some of the bigger characters you might know of, like Aragorn yeah. or Legolas. And this guy gives them some swords and lets them stay at his house with his wife. Uh, it just is such a distraction from the overall story. And bless Tolkien, he can tell that story however he wants, but I think when it comes to putting it on a screen, I didn't need it. Yeah, I think what, what you're sort of... Uh, touching on here is in the adaptation process, I think they were very smart in realizing what they that they had a limited time. Um, first of all, that it was going to be two movies, and then thankfully they got three because um, I can't imagine doing this in less. I mean, they could barely fit into three. Um, but I think they were very wise about what really worked and what really didn't in terms of building a story, building character arcs out of a book that doesn't really have character arcs for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they were very selective in kind of like what is actually necessary. Like in the, in the first bit of the first book, there's a lot of sitting and singing. I'm going to give you my uh, hot take on book one. You're just throwing the hot takes I have around. so many feelings. So <laughs> book one, if uh, again, this is mostly about the movies, not about the books, but I will say if you're reading book one and you're struggling to get into it, you can go ahead and skip the first 150 pages of Fellowship of the Ring, the book. Uh, I usually do because although I love Hobbiton, I love the Shire, it's just such word salad that I don't think it's necessary to enjoy the story. Um, I don't think brevity was Tolkien's strong suit. No. And that's okay because no. he his lack of brevity made for a very, very comprehensive world. Absolutely. But he's a food blogger uh, and recipe poster where the story is like <laughs> a thousand stories about something and then you get into the food and that takes a whole bunch of time too. He loves talking about food in that world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, sure. I will say also... I really think that they did a beautiful job uh, in the crafting of the various like bits of the world. They they handmade all the props. You know, not a lot of it was CGI, and the CGI that they did still holds up to this day. Yeah, I think they did a really brilliant job. Some of it's a little much. Some of it, like when they're in um, a swamp. Uh, and then they go into the water and you see all the spirits. That's Peter Jackson being a bit Peter Jackson for me. Uh, yeah, you can see his horror background. You can in some see of the those frighteners moments. in that moment. Yeah, and some 100%. of them are a bit much. I kind of uh, like it though because like it's a little campy, and that 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 just a little bit camp is what I kind of miss in movies now, uh, especially fantasy movies that take themselves quite seriously. Yeah, I, I kind of like those moments where you're like, why is this just intense shaky cam on this fucking or Urukai? Yeah, for nobody no needs this. Or like, everything's so blurry here, Peter. Why? Yeah, or his like his very extreme slow motion close close up on Sam saying share, share the load. it's like those little filmmaking details where you're just like oh Peter there's a little <laughs> bit of like a, a eye roll but in a loving way yeah 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 we'll say something he did get in my opinion wrong is uh Saruman's death um, yeah I think that's one of the places where uh keeping close to the book would have been better but I think they were low on time yeah. I will say as a screenwriter uh sort of uh looking at adapting worlds like this. Yeah. I can see why something like Scouring of the Shire or Saruman's Death, which falls into the sh Scouring Absolutely. of the Shire, which is a part in the third book where they come back to the Shire and it is uh, Saruman's sort of taking it over and they have to take it back. Um, and I can see why that's a that's a weird denouement. I can see why if you have to cut something, that's what you have to yeah, cut. Yeah, but the way that they did his actual death of just like, aha, he gets stabbed in the back and then falls off a giant tower onto a ring of spikes. Which is in the extended editions. They did have the good sense to take it out and just have him disappear after two towers. Um, I think that is actually better than what's in the extended editions. I, that is one case where I will agree. Yeah. I will definitely agree with that. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, there are uh, the theatrical versions, which are the shorter, trimmer ones that they released in theaters, and then there's the extended versions. I can't imagine how anyone at this point would watch the theatrical releases. I mean, I think they're still very good. No. <laughs> <laughs> no Steph disagrees no I think that they are fine if you it's like if you want to watch like half of a story watch the theatrical releases if you want to actually understand the world and the characters like I will say hot disservice to Boromir 
Peter Jackson did yeah. a hot disservice to Boromir in the theatrical release. Look, I, I see, again, from a time perspective, why they had to do it. I don't care. But <laughs> Steph is coming in hot. I'm, I'm spicy today. <laughs> I'm so spicy. I think I think if uh, if you're if you're debating between the two, it depends on how much lore you really want to get. You can get the story from the theatrical versions, and it's still wonderful. We all fell in love with those originally. But if you want to really get into it, uh, the extended versions are great. I will say the first one, I wouldn't. I every uh, scene that they include, I'm like, man, I love that scene. It's really good. By the time you get to the third one, you're like, yeah, they cut the right stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first one, all the extended scenes are uh, deserve to be in there, and. And you can tell they cut it for time and time alone. But once you're getting into the third, the the second and then third, you start to see where where the trimming was good. And I actually would argue that the theatrical release of Return of the King is better than the extended. When edition. was the last time you watched it? What do you mean? The theatrical release? Yeah. Look, I just have How a big... How do you know? Uh, I just have a big problem with the way they cut the the undead stuff. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> Aragorn going in and saying, what say you? And then cutting away and never seeing him again until that he showed up. That's It's way better as opposed to the, the other you? version where they're yeah, like... Yeah, okay. No. Eh, never mind. We'll do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back three, three <laughs> it, seconds later. Yeah. Yeah, it, we're in. It just, it really takes the energy out of it. So, like, I, I think there's good things and bad things in the extended. The right. the worst thing being, if you don't want to spend 12 hours watching a movie, maybe don't watch the extended editions. But also, what else are you doing, man? <laughs> what, do you, what do you got better to do than watch 12 hours of they a movie? You may have hobbies, Steph. Well, you need new ones that are watching this movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Um, all right, Kai, my question for you. Okay. What, this is a two-parter, so mm-hmm. you get ready? You ready? Yeah. What character do you like the most, and what character do you think you are the most like? Whoa, okay. I know, it's a good one, right? Interesting. I don't really think of it like this often. I think um, it's very hard to say because, like, like the most for what reason? I think at the end of the day, my favorite character will always be Sam. There's something that always draws me to sidekicks, um, and I think... So much of this story, like, there's there's a lot of people who argue that Sam's the real hero of this story. And I think the whole point of this is that no one's the real hero of this story. That uh, Frodo is the ring bearer, but everybody was uh, instrumental in making sure that the ring got to Mount Doom. Except Legolas. Except Legolas. But wow, so pretty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I would say, ultimately, I think Sam will always be my favorite character. Um, because I think his loyalty it means the most to me, and I think his speech uh, about you know there being some good in this world and it's worth fighting for has really informed me morally. If you um, haven't listened to that speech recently, uh, I highly recommend listening to it. The world we're living in right now is a bit tough. It's a bit tough out there. Um, but that speech will bolster you a bit right now. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah, and it sums up for me what Lord of the Rings is about. We'll, we'll get into that a bit a bit later. But I'd say Sam is the one that I sort of love the most and probably is the one I identify with the most. I think, like, if we're being realistic, yeah, yeah, let's do that. I'm going to say right. Sam. Sick. I really stumbled my way through that. Sick, sick, sick. What about you? Um, I would say my favorite character is Eowyn. Oh, um, yeah, of course. The shield maiden of Rohan. Uh, she's a badass. She is not going to let a bunch of men tell her what she can and cannot do. She is no man, and she will take care of business. Now, I think she's such a great character, and for a movie that doesn't have a lot of, a movie and book that doesn't have a ton of female representation, I think the female representation that is included is badass. Galadriel, badass. Eowyn, badass. Rosie Cotton, Badass. Yeah, and I think that's another thing that the adaptation did well is I think they recognized the fact that they had that they had an all male cast for the most part. And I know you don't like Arwen, but mm. she doesn't even appear in the books. She actually does. She never shows up. She and shows. I it, agree with that. She shows up in one of the appendices, and um, we like it there. Okay, well, <laughs> some of us Liv like Tyler, it there. I like you, Liv Tyler. I like Liv Tyler. I don't mind Arwen. I, I think Arwen is fine, and I understand why they included her mm-hmm. in the ways they did, and I thought it was relatively limited. They were going to have her in Helm's Deep fighting, I, yeah. and that, that I agree, would have been too far, but they didn't do it, so they get, they get points for that. She could have been the Haldir and gotten killed <laughs> at Helm's Deep, and I would have been fine with it. I think the purpose of having more female representation in the movie is great. And you can't on the subject see it. Of- My eyes are rolling deeply. I think female <laughs> representation is important, but personally I didn't need it in this specific story. But I know why they did it and I think that that's fine. I just didn't need it. Now we, we are feminists, just to be clear. <laughs> I love women. Um and which character do I think I'm the most like? 
I want to, Kaya, can you guess? I think it's pretty. Pippin. And Pippin. Yeah, yeah I'm 100% Pippin. Pippin. Yeah, this isn't a question. <laughs> I, I am Pippin. I would have fully hit a skeleton down and woken up uh, a Balrog. That is just very real. Like when you put it that way, I feel like I'm more like Mary because we have kind of that dynamic in a Absolutely. Big way. I would love for us to have like a Frodo Sam dynamic of just like so bonded and we're like heroic, but we are Mary and Pippin fully. We're doofuses. We're doofuses. <laughs> <laughs> We're not saving any world. I We're will gladly sit there, pot. smoking pot, getting a beer, <laughs> being a klutz, uh, asking everyone about when I can eat next. Okay, so uh, it brings me to my uh, my next question. Ooh. Like for you, Lord of the Rings, I feel like Lord of the Rings is uh, almost biblical in a sense for a lot of nerds. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of a, a very uh, foundational fandom. What does Lord of the Rings sort of mean to you? What do you feel like it's about? Because like I know I know what Tolkien wanted to express with it. Um, which is sort of a, a fear of death, um, the power, and sort of those difficult political concepts that really came out of World War II for him. I think it was World War II. Um, his experiences in the war. What does it mean to you? I think he was, was he World War II or World War I? I don't, I think it actually was World War I now that I think about it, but I might be wrong about that. What does Lord of the Rings mean to me? Um, there's t- it's twofold. So I will talk about Lord of the Rings, the story, and then I will talk about Lord of the Rings as a fandom. Sick. Let's go. Lord of the Rings as a story <laughs> is to me about how no matter who you are, you can make a difference. Um, you can be the smallest person. You could be, you know, have no powers, have no like ability to fight, and you can still change the course of the world. And I think that's so powerful. It's been such a, a beautiful thing to grow up with because it helped me feel throughout my life like I could accomplish anything if I just tried, if I just put forth that effort, I can do anything. Even if the world tells me I can't because of X, Y, and Z. Can't do it because uh, you're a woman. Too bad, I could do it. Can't do it because you're not strong. Too bad, I could still do it. This uh, story just is the triumph of uh, the spirit and the desire to do good. And that good can, in fact, uh, triumph over evil, even if it seems impossible. Uh, So that's Lord of the Rings as a story. As a fandom uh, and as a specific thing on my life, it's brought me so many friendships. It was, a Sailor Moon was my first fandom, uh, but Lord of the Rings, I think, is my biggest fandom. It's the one that I've engaged the most with. It's the one that I've spent the most time and money <laughs> on. Uh, and it's just, it feels safe. Lord of the Rings is a world that I can return to when things are hard in the real world. And it, it makes sense to me. That world makes sense. Uh, I can see the parallels to our world, but I can also see um, the the opportunities to be better than we have have been and are. So that's what Lord of the Rings means to me. What about you? Oh, oh man! It. I mean, I think you you put so many of the like meow, dominant meow, 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 nailed it so beautifully. Like nailed it, it, especially as like someone who would not. Uh, I wouldn't look at a place in the Shire, I think. <laughs> um, I always really identified strongly with the Hobbits because I am, I am a slight human. Um, I am not strong. I am not fast. Um, but, I love food. <laughs> but I think the, what's so powerful about those stories is the loyalty in them and the like determination in them. And yeah, just the idea of just doing the right thing and trying as hard as you can means so much. Um, but also for me, it... I don't know. Every time I watch it, I see something new. Like the last time we watched it over the holidays, I this time around, I watched sort of from a different angle where I was seeing like a story about positive masculinity. And I was like, this is so interesting. I've never seen this before in my life, but because it's something that I am considering a lot lately is like what makes for positive masculinity. So much of the story is about all of the things that make for positive masculinity. And anytime there's not positive masculinity, they're punished. Yes, quite literally. If you, if you watch it again with that lens, you see that like when they ask each other for help, like Gimli asking to be thrown and getting over his pride, you know? Um, when, you, when, you, uh, when you actually see the differences in each other, like friendship, loyalty, all of these things that uh, that often get sort of left behind in ideas of like traditional isolationist masculinity where you are the strongest, you are the fastest, you are the smartest, you must save the women, so on and so forth. And in fantasy fandom a lot of the that, time There's too. a lot of that in fantasy fandom. And I find that this is so much about community. It's so much about like Aragorn's a really good example. Like he doesn't need to be the leader. He, he wants to support the people around him. You know, like it, there's, there's so much about it that I think speaks to that, which is really lovely. But also for me, it sort of, 
Sam, again, coming back to that, it really taught me the power of stories because it, especially in the films, they have a conversation about telling stories about these people, about people, like what stories will they tell about us? And for me as a kid, like Lord of the Rings is a great place to start if you want to learn how to tell stories. Like that, it really gave me an idea of how much just a tale can bolster somebody, yeah. you know, and make you feel like the world is possible. I don't know. I'm getting sentimental cool. over it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get, uh, what is a piece of minutia that you notice that other people might not necessarily care about in Lord of the Rings? Like, can you think of things that you're like, when you see it, you're like, yeah, that's... yeah, absolutely. The, and you uh, cannot say the broken toe because the broken toe is a well-known piece of the Lord of the Rings fandom. Yes, 100%. Uh, where, Do you want to explain yeah, it? yeah, in the two towers, Aragorn's trying to track the hobbits uh, after a bunch of Urukai were killed by the Rohirrim. Uh, and he, uh, Viggo Mortensen, who plays Aragorn, very famously kicks a helmet and screams out in frustration. But what that scream is, is he broke his toe kicking that helmet. And it is the fandom loves it. It loves it. They so love much. telling everyone, bring up the two towers and see if people you know will tell you about a broken toe because they probably will. <laughs> I think for me, a lot of the minutia that I notice is the details I know about the filmmaking. Um, and this is something I didn't quite go into in the creation of the film question, but I, I love knowing what I'm actually looking at and how much work they did to make that happen. Like knowing that Andy Serkis is performing everything the way he did and that they're mapping Gollum over him and knowing the details of some of those performances, right? Or like there's one shot where the hobbits are in uh, the Prancing Pony Inn and two people walk behind them that are really large. And I know those are people in huge animatronic suits, right? That are walking past in the background. And the fact that they did so many practical effects, I get so into and so nerdy about um, because I find the force perspective that they used and all the doubles and all of that I find it so fascinating that they that they worked so hard to trick your eye into thinking it looked real and I think it makes the movie work so well also uh, the uh, the ent that puts his head that's out. why I love that ent firehead <laughs> I love, fiery I love the firehead ent so much I don't know why just, he saves himself he's taken his, his future into his own hands a hundred percent so so cute and I can't explain why. Also, I absolutely love um, what's his name? Denethor running off the edge of... Uh, <laughs> this movie loves people on fire absolutely running. Absolutely loves it. it. In fact, in every film, someone uh, is on catches fire, fire and, and either something. runs off something or in the first in the first movie, it's a ring wraith. In the second movie, it's an end. And in the third movie, it's Denethor. It happens Peter Jackson, every time. what happened to you? This is Did like, you witness this in your childhood and you're playing it out on screen? Like, <laughs> well, that's what the happened? most depressing version of Look, this. Look, life is real. It comes at you fast. <laughs> Okay, um, last Can question. I just, I just want to add in my little minutia. That oh, is yeah. my oh, favorite. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. You go. It's okay, it's okay. I put in this question so I could talk about this moment, <laughs> which is uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, in the Fellowship of the Ring, we have uh, the hobbits are in Farmer Maggot's field. Uh, two of them have stolen a bunch of produce. They all get scared of him because he's waving his little stick. They run. They fall off a cliff uh, and roll down it, and they all land on the ground. Now, this was the first day of filming, uh, that the first time these fellows were all on screen together, and as they fell down that hill, uh, Elijah Wood was on the bottom of the pile, and uh, he farted. And that's one of my favorite stories about Lord of the Ring filming, because that's just so real. <laughs> just imagine your first day filming with a bunch of your new coworkers, and they fall on top of you, and you fart on them. I mean, you're going to be friends forever. You're going to be friends forever, and they are. And they are. They are still Continue friends. Continue to this day, which is so lovely. I love it. Um, well, I was going to ask before we get into the hot takes, which we will do in uh, just a minute, but what do you think about the new series coming out? I uh, haven't learned much about it, and the reason is thusfold. Uh, and a thing that you should know about Steph Malik, if you tell me that something's going to be good, if everyone's hyped about it, I'm inevitably going to not like it because it's been overhyped for You me. have a real expectation, I have issue. a problem. Um, so I'm purposely not looking at much about it. I've seen the, the promo photos of, like, Galadriel in armor. I am here for it. I want <laughs> it. Give me her with a sword. I love sword women. So sword women, just that category. Sword women. Sword women. Um, so <laughs> that I've seen and I'm excited about, but I'm, I'm really trying to limit how much I know about it before. Yeah, because I got so hyped about The Hobbit and I fucking hate The Hobbit. We'll get into that. Um, but uh, so the, but you, you are in favor of the idea of it. In theory. You've been burned before. I've been burned before. Yeah. And also I hate Amazon. 
Uh, that part's hard. Which, that yep. part's hard. That part's and really I also hard. know that they're, like, going to m- try to take the production out of New Zealand. And that hurts me on a... Pr- I take that personally. <laughs> I, no, I really do. Like, yeah. Lord of the Rings and New Zealand are so intertwined. And I think it's so important that that was filmed in New Zealand specifically because of what it allowed the cast to become by virtue of being isolated from a lot of uh, Hollywood and a lot of the production world. I think that y- being uh, using natural landscapes for a lot of it is super important to the storytelling as well. And so Amazon coming around and going to take it out of New Zealand, you're my enemy. I mean, I think they are still filming it in New Zealand. Right now. Okay. They're going to try to move it to England. Sassy. And, yeah. And I'm not here for it. All right. Um, how about you? I am very excited for it in that um, I love Lord of the Rings, but there's no denying that it is an overwhelmingly white IP. Yeah. Um, and it's overwhelmingly male, overwhelmingly white. And that's a product of the time that it was made in. But I am so excited that we're going to get a new version of this world where all the people of color aren't bad guys, which is like, let's, let's, I think the wonderful thing about fandom is being able to see the good and the bad in something. Yeah. And being um, able to critique it with, with love. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, nothing is perfect. And that is a huge flaw of the Lord of the Rings world. Of Elijah mid- of Wood's Earth. eyes are perfect. Okay. That is not the point. <laughs> They're part of this world. Okay, fair. Um, uh, but I, I do think that uh, it's so wonderful that we're going to finally get an opportunity to see, to include more people in Middle Earth because I, to me, that feels more realistic. It feels like we're actually seeing a world yeah. and not a very narrow version of a world. I know some people have had their takes on, and I'm using huge air quotes here, the realism of it all. Um, but I, I am so sorry if you can suspend your disbelief about hobbits and dragons and Gollum being that skinny and still being able to stand. I just I just think you need to maybe you just need to maybe include some black dwarves and some like you you need the you need to get over that. The whole point of fantasy it. is that it's for everyone. And it the can whole, be anything. It can be absolutely anything. Because it's fantasy. It's made up. Yes. And I have long feared that people would get siloed in this thing with Lord of the Rings where it needs to be white. And that is absolute bullshit. It does not, and I'm so excited to see a version of it that is not. Um I'm gonna posit one last question before I get into hot takes. Oh my god. What's the nerdiest thing you've done because of your Lord of the Rings fandom? Hard to say. I would say uh, I'm not going to beat you on this. I would say no, uh, I would say a tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only tattoo I have, and uh, yeah, it's a Gandalf symbol on the back of my neck, and I love it very much. Beautiful. I think that would be it. You go. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, I mean, this I could give you a lot of things, but I will give you probably the biggest one, which is uh, for my 35th birthday. I saved and I saved and I got myself out of debt so that I could spend my 35th birthday in Hobbiton in New Zealand and have my birthday dinner uh, at um, the Green Dragon Inn. And I did that, and it was so good. It was the greatest. Go to Hobbiton if you can. It is perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. I cried constantly. There's a video on the internet of my friend asking me if I'm having a nice time, and I can't speak because I'm so overwhelmed at being in New Zealand. I'm afraid of flying, and I flew to New Zealand because of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, the word would be weeping that I would I'm, use. I'm you are sobbing. full weeping. I cannot handle it. I'm so overwhelmed by excitement. Yeah, it's um, adorable. I also have a ton of tattoos. I also, like, when they were doing the promo for Lord of the Rings, I follow Billy Boyd around southern Ontario uh, to go meet him because he was promoting uh, a film that he was doing. Otherwise, I, my Lord of the Rings love is Steph, I love you so much, but I have to go ahead and just like hard disagree with you that any of those things are the absolute nerdiest what thing that you've done. What is the nerdiest thing? The nerdiest thing you've ever done is on your driver's license. <laughs> oh my God, you got busted. Um, so I had to change my last name for legal purposes. Long story. I, it's not a good story. It's not a bad story. It's a nothing story. Um, and so one thing that happens when you change your name is you can do anything with it. You can give yourself literally any name that you want. My first thought was giving myself the middle name Frodo. And I was like, Steph, that's too much. Steph, that's too much. So I legally gave myself the middle name Eowyn because of Lord of the Rings. Like, that's nerdier, right? That, that's that's not, nerdier. That, but, okay, I had to change my last name. So it was just like a little add-on for fun. Uh, you know what? It, get get in the comments <laughs> on Twitter. Get get in the get, email. That's nerdier, right? I'm, I'm right. 
Change, legally changing your name is nerdier. Okay. I love this fandom. <laughs> we we absolutely need to move on some, to some hot takes because we have some very good ones and I don't want to miss out on uh, them. So, so uh, we delved into the deep minds of the internet to pull up some hot takes uh, and opinions. Uh, one we could asked, even say we delve too greedily and too deep. Absolutely. Reference. Reference. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to just jump into it. Uh, this is a hot take. The Lord of the Rings movies are better than the books. I know the books are like 70 years old at this point, but they're written so boringly. There are extra O's. That's just not me putting emphasis. I think better depends on what you what you want yeah. from them. Because some people want the lore. They want the the like more extended versions of it. And other people just want to see fights with swords and want to see Legolas look pretty. Like it, no matter what you want from these stories, that's that's totally fine. That's my personal opinion. I don't think it's a better or worse. And I never think this when it comes to adaptations. It's just another entry into the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I agree with this person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do and I don't. I really love the books, but I do think from a storytelling perspective, the movies improved on the narrative uh, because they had, I think, a little more skill when it comes to, like, character evolution. <laughs> like, in the books, the uh, Aragorn starts the series by being like, I'm the king, I'm the only one true king. And then by the end of the series, he's like, I'm the king, I'm the only one true king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't- Not much evolve. nuance in there. Yeah, exactly. Like he has the sword the whole time. So they made some good strategic changes, I think, in that way. That being said, why so many songs, Tolkien? Yeah. Why so many songs? <laughs> yeah. I skip them every time. I'm sure they're beautiful. My brain can only handle so much. Okay, what's next? Uh, okay, uh, this one comes from Hawkeye on Twitter. Thank you so much, Hawkeye. Hi, Hawkeye. Um, why didn't they drop the ring in a vat of molten steel or something even stronger like Mithril to prevent anyone from wearing it and reduce its ability to influence the ring bearer? Okay. Oh. This is an interesting take that I've literally never heard before, which is unusual because I've heard a lot of them. Yeah. I would say we don't know for sure that Mithril or anything like that would reduce the power of it. Yeah. Right? We, uh, mithril's strong, so it would be very hard to penetrate through it to get to the ring, but I think just by virtue of the ring's existence, in theory, it would be putting out its little uh, signals, being yeah. like, I'm in a ring. I wonder even if that kind of thing would stick on it. You know, like I feel like the the ring would just be like, nope, and like just uh, slouch yeah, just, it off. It decides you know? to grow yeah. really big to just like, like bust the, out. The same way that like uh, uh, if you were to put it in the fire, it doesn't melt, you know, like I, I feel like, or it doesn't get hot rather. Yeah. You know, I, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like maybe Gandalf would have brought that up if that was an option, but maybe that's just me cheaping out. But also Gandalf's a bit of a stoner and just kind of, I think he's a little shit disturber. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Gandalf wants to cause a little trouble. I think he still wanted to destroy the okay, ring. Well, he wasn't know. just being lazy about we don't know. it. He's <laughs> like, nah, that's too hard. Nah. Let's walk all the way there instead. Yo, Saruman, you want to go up to your tower and get blitzed? All right. Hit me with another one. Okay. This is from a friend of the podcast, Connor Bradbury. Uh, Tolkien got too attached to his characters, and he should have killed off some hobbits and probably Gimli. But I don't want him to. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Yes, I guess. Like, uh, th there's a version in which Mary could have died, I think, in Pelennor Fields. Um, yes. That, that would have been reasonable. And um, I think that this is an interesting because I never want a hobbit to die. I'm going to preface with that. No hobbit should ever die. It's like uh, they're, they're too good. But I think that that would have given Pippin, like, how would that have been on Pippin? Because Pippin kind of by his moves, instigates a lot of big turns yes. in the story. by being, he's a dummy. Because he's a little he's a bit of a dummy. He's a sweet dum-dum. Um, but he would have been separated from Mary at that point um, because he looked in the Palantir and got whisked away because he's a bit of a dum-dum. Um, but then if Mary had died as a result of that, with them not having gotten to see each other again, like... Too sad. Too sad, but what a lesson for oh. that character. Like, yeah. that would have changed Pippin as a human, as a, a hobbit. Um, it would have had such a lasting impact. I also come from the school of I always want main characters to die in shows because I'm just like, what are you going to do about it? But then I watched Game of Thrones and was like, oh, no, this is what happens <laughs> when you far. just kill characters. You're kill bloodthirsty this episode. You're like, <laughs> no, I hate it. Kill it. I love it. I hate it. I'm not bloodthirsty. I just have strong feelings. <laughs> which is which is what the show's about. So that's great. Um, I don't know that they should have killed Gimli. Gimli's fine. He's really there as like a comic relief uh, kind of for the kiddos. Yeah, if you're going to kill someone, like kill someone that people will really feel for. Not that I would be like, nah, fuck it. Fuck him. Like, I just don't but. feel any person, like he's not one of the characters that I think I'm rooting for throughout the journey. I, if anyone, I, I would have killed Legolas. 
Let's kill him. Uh, no, go? no, no, no. That's not what I'm suggesting. I just mean that like the oh. the losing someone that in, invincible seeming yeah. would have maybe felt like it raises the stakes. And I think that's what they tried to do with Haldir mm -hmm. in the Two Towers is like, oh, look, an elf can die. And I was like, good. I mean, he literally just showed up, so. He just showed up. I don't care about the guy. Yeah, we saw him in Lothlorien. Who cares? All right, let's move on to the next one because we're doing a bit of a speed round because we got way too into it on the question. It's okay. We're going to, some episodes can be longer and I'm going to make this one one of them. Okay, great. Um, so uh, the second one I have is an excellent one from David Hadley that I like very much. Thank you, David Hadley. Uh, Lord of the Rings was great, but time has moved on and we can stop looking to it as the de facto fantasy template now, please. What do you think about, Ooh, about that, Steph? I think... I would, I strongly agree. I think that it is a great template. Uh, it, you know, it was a great template when we didn't have access to stories and we weren't telling a lot of people's stories. We were telling one fairly straightforward type yep. of, a hero man does good deed, save world. The hero's journey. The hero's journey, a uh, classic. Uh, but I think that now we, we are in a time where we get to have so many different voices and hear so many different people's experiences uh, and we can build fantasy worlds out of so many different points of view that to keep recycling the same point of view over and over and the same hero's journey of small guy takes on big fight. Um, let's just be more creative. Like, why not? Yeah, well, I think it, ultimately this story was sort of designed in a lot of ways to be sort of an alternate history for England and the UK. Uh, it's very much influenced by Arthurian legend and and sort of that kind of culture and I completely agree that this it's foundational so many different fantasy stories have come from this D&D &D takes so much from it and Lord of the Rings takes so much from different mythologies so it doesn't come from nowhere I don't think we'll ever be rid of it but with that said um, using elves, dwarves, humans as a template for everything, we don't need to do that all the time, you know? It, it is good to remember that there's a lot of different kind of mythologies and as a result of that a lot of different kind of fantasy and this Lord of the Rings is very Western and there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but that is not the only point of view. Um, and I think it's such a good entry point, but, uh, yeah, I absolutely agree in that there's so much in the world of fantasy that I highly recommend. If you love Lord of the Rings, get out there, read some NK Jamison books, you know, like, uh, look, look at what else is out there because there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, and it just makes whatever you're working on more original. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Um, this is from friend of the podcast, Jade. <laughs> Take uh, the Hobbit films were better. Jade, you're wrong. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, aggressive stuff. I, I right can't. At you. I can't with you, Jade. I can't with this take. I can't. I I, I think the Hobbit films uh, are. Uh, I think Jade did this to make me upset. <laughs> yeah, I think that that might be. Correct. I ca I cannot understand. And uh, Jade, when you hear when if you hear this. Come, let's have a conversation about this because I truly do not understand this viewpoint. I respect anybody who really likes them, but I I found, don't, no. I, I just thought the storytelling was really bloated. Um, like, it, one, especially when you compare it to Lord of the Rings, which is three huge novels in three movies, to take one tiny novella and turn it into three movies is obviously excessive. And I think that you can really feel that in the pace of the thing. And just visually in the world, I think that it... It feels rushed. It feels cartoony, whereas I think that the Lord of the Rings movie did such a beautiful job of crafting uh, the world. And fun fact, because they were put out by different distributors and different companies were producing them, they actually, the people who made The Hobbit, didn't have access to the giant prop stores from Lord of the Rings. Like, there, oh, are, there are props from Lord of the Rings all over Wellington in various, uh, like, storage spaces. But because The Hobbit was made by a different company, they didn't even get to use that. So they had to recreate absolutely everything for that movie but it looked like when you watch it on screen it looks more cartoony the design of the dwarves is more like for kids which, which is fine if you want it the hobbit is more of a kid's story but then with all the silmarillion stuff they put into it it kind of it, like what is the story that they're trying to tell also uh similar to my hot take on arwen Toriel is get out of here get out this fake elf woman that just appears Steph you're gonna get cancelled for hating women look if you want to cancel <laughs> me for hating uh, bloated characters in Tolkien movies let's talk I will have a conversation with you I stand 
buy this. I do agree, though. It, it, it felt like they just added things to get to uh, pad the runtime, and it just felt unnecessary. That said, I think what you start watching is the thing that you will love the most. So, like, for me, when I watched The Hobbit, the real thing that it lacks is Peter Jackson's love. Because... Uh, Gilmore Del Toro was going to direct. Yeah, I can't speak. Direct them. Directorate was going to direct these films, and uh, he dropped out, and Peter Jackson had to jump in. And last, you can tell that Peter Jackson didn't want to do it, didn't intend to do it, because the love isn't there. The love that was so apparent in the first films, when they were literally making the Hobbits clothes only out of fibers you would find in the Shire, like the detail they put into those films just isn't apparent in The Hobbit. So I think it depends on what you look for. If you're looking for just like a rollicking good time with lots of like big silly set pieces and goofy, like- Somehow the strongest dragon in the entire land is caught off guard by some falling molten metal. That was, uh, look, this episode is not about The Hobbit, but why would you ever fight a dragon made of fire with hot gold? But they won. But the the hot gold stopped it for a bit. It's it's just the stupidest, anyway. the point. I think you just couldn't. I just couldn't see the love in it, and that's that's just my take. If you enjoy them, though, fantastic. Go nuts. Whatever makes you uh, the happiest. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, this is from a uh, friend of the podcast and cantankerous uh, gentleman Gary Rideout Jr. Cantankerous gentleman. <laughs> um, uh, his hot take is: Lord of the Rings sucks. There are zero stakes in fantasy because there are no rules. Oh, now there's a ghost army? Cool, cool, cool. Also, just get the birds to fly the damn ring in the first place. The journey was useless. Could have saved me nine hours. Okay, we finally get to talk about this goddamn eagle thing. Okay. Okay, if you're not a fan of the Lord of the Rings yet, one thing that people love to bring up about Lord of the Rings is why did they do this journey? Why couldn't the eagles have just flown them there, dropped the ring, come back in an afternoon, they could have tea at Rivendell, game over. First of all, I have to ask those people, why are you reading a book then if you just don't want an adventure? Why are you reading a book? <laughs> or watching a movie. Or watching a movie. Why are, you, why are you invested in the story if you don't want to see a story? I mean, yeah, like technically every story in the entire world could be solved by like, well, why didn't they just do the thing that I knew about because I'm not in the story? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Like, uh, I, like, you can't. It's like watching Fight Club and being like, well, why didn't he just go to a therapist? It's like, yeah. well, because... Uh, it, it would be like me being like, well, why doesn't uh, a billionaire from uh, Germany give me money so I don't have any problems anymore? And because suspension of disbelief. That's like, why. Uh, chill out. Um, also, the Nazgul have dragons. They would have fought. Well, dragon-esque. They have their giant the fell, fell beasts. beasts. They would have attacked the owls. Absolutely. Uh, not the owls. The uh, eagles. Um also, they almost got killed by weather magic going over Katharas. So I believe that was pointed out by uh, one of our listeners, and I am yeah. so sorry I don't have your name on hand, but uh, I could not have agreed more with all yeah. of your takes. Yeah. Uh, cool. Why don't you get the biggest, toughest guy in your town to fight your battles? Because uh, you got to fight your own battles. Um, and I just think it's it's such a recycled take for people from people who clearly don't care about a a story. Like. Yeah, and I think like we love to poke holes in things for the logic, but at the end of the day, nobody like, and I've said this before, and again, this is not my take, but I do strongly agree with it. Nobody walks out of a film being like, well, I was bored the whole time, but at least there were no plot holes. Like, that's, <laughs> it's, that's the most boring take. We all love poking holes in things because it's funny and fun, but at the end of the day, the Cinema Sins version of movie critique is honestly focusing on the wrong things. I don't care if there are plot holes in things if I have an emotional investment in them because that's what they're for. Yeah. We don't listen to stories or watch stories because they're just hyper accurate. It's nice when they are. Yeah. Um, and it lends a, a sense of reality to the world. And uh, in this, I will disagree with Gary in that there is definitely a set of rules in this world. What are you talking about, Gary? There's so many rules. Hobbits can't fly. Ugh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but I, I will agree on the ghost army, though. It is a bit of a... Yeah, uh, the, the ghost army is a real Duzex Machina for sure. A yeah. literal ghost in the machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like, and these ghosts defeat every bad thing. Yeah, Hooray. 100%. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like, if, 
like, I guess the Eagles could have flown them there. But the truth is that the Eagles are also not just big birds. They are gods. And those gods don't want to be mixed up in Sauron's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, they do favors, but they're not a bus. Um, yeah. And they they weren't just, just, just like anyone else, they weren't just going to sacrifice everything for this thing that could go horribly wrong. Also, the, the Eagles are also corruptible. Yes, they have flown the ring in The Hobbit uh, when they carried Bilbo, but to fly for that long, they are they are very powerful and could easily be just as corrupt as anybody else. Yeah, look which, at how Galadriel and Gandalf both react when they're presented with the ring. They're like, ah, keep it away from me. Yeah, so imagine giving a god that kind of power. It would be go very poorly. And, and that it, ring would look beautiful on its claws. Uh, that's right. And <sighs> if Frodo had even dropped it or dropped off it, like nothing, nothing about the take makes sense. So there, mic drop. Stop talking about the goddamn eagles. If you are listening... Never bring up the eagles in Lord of the Rings or again. Do, or do, and we can do, have a conversation we'll f- about it. And by conversation, we'll just tell you why you're wrong. Uh, anyways, uh, this is a common thing in the Lord of the Rings fandom, but also, you know, it's fun to talk about. I mean, we love this stuff. We love debating about this stuff. I've uh, my my very good friend and Lord of the Rings uh, bestie Galen Drinnen, also a friend of the podcast, and I have had long, 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 long chats about whether or not Balrogs have wings. They do. Um, they do, in my personal opinion. But lots of people go back to the books, and there are no wings described. So yeah, but there's lots of things in the books that are like <laughs> where he ends up correcting himself later. Like. <laughs> The, it's all fun to debate over. Tolkien's is my point here. is writing a nice little story. Let's yeah. just enjoy the little story. Okay. Do you have any more hot takes? Uh, yes. I have one final hot take. One more, and then let's wrap this sucker up. Absolutely. Uh, this comes from Adam. Will uh, scouring of the Shire is the best part of Lord of the Rings, and not filming it as an extended short for the DVDs when they had Hobbiton is a travesty. Hmm. It's a good hot take. It is a good hot take. You know what? I, I think for the extended editions, it would have been really nice to see them. I understand for the theatrical release, as I said before, it's a long sequence that almost has its own beginning, middle, and end. Um, and it would feel very anticlimactic, I think. So I think from, from a screenwriting perspective, I understand that. But also from a lore perspective, I understand wanting to see it. Absolutely. And I think that it would have been very doable. Like, obviously, in the theatrical release, we talked about Saruman's death and how he kind of just disappears. You could have really easily fit that in by just not having that awkward death scene that we got of him just Woof. just being on the spikes and then rolling into the water. Which Christopher Lee hated. Absolutely. And Christopher Lee is like a Tolkien guy, has met Tolkien. Tolkien gave Christopher Lee permission to play Gandalf in any adaptation of Lord of the Rings. To be fair, I think Peter Jackson made the right choice. I think so too, but like he loves Lord of the Rings, so I can only imagine how awful that must have felt for him to see this character that he's loved Maybe he didn't love this character, but the story that he loved be dealt with in this way. I think that I agree with you that it would have been lovely if they had filmed it. I I see why they didn't, but yeah, as a little short, I would love to watch that. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's one thing I'm very, very excited about in the new series is just like, getting to see all these parts of the world that we've never gotten to see before. Like the the men of the north, uh, you know. The Dunedain? The, the Dunedain, yeah. Or getting to see dwarven kingdoms that aren't like entirely massacred. Like, oh, I'm so excited oh. to see like female dwarves. That's going to rule. How you do know? you feel about the, the female dwarves should have beards? This I, is a controversial thing. They've post, posted pictures of the new uh, dwarves. Uh, and the women do not have beards, but I'm this is a thing that gets with talked it. about. I'm fine with it. Yes, they they like have had beards in some versions, and they haven't in others. Um, I think it right now canonically, if we're counting the Hobbit, I know you don't, but if we are, some of those beard uh, beards are missing. Some of those dwarfs. Yeah, the like the quote unquote sexy hob so uh, sexy much dwarves. Disdain. So much Feely disdain. and Keely <laughs> from <laughs> Steph. Um, so yeah, I, I would say like I I'm excited to see their take on it, but I'm mostly excited to see all these things that we just couldn't touch in Lord of the Rings because I am a nerd. I just want to see badass Galadriel. <laughs> um, all right. At the end of every episode, we love to share our micro fandoms of the week, which we'll do in just a moment. But before we do, I would love to talk about how you can support this show. Uh, we have tons of free ways you can support, uh, some financial ways you can support. Uh, but if you just want to connect with us, you can reach out, follow us, or send us compliments on Twitter at Fandom Show Pod. 
you can tell all your nerdiest friends about us. And please, 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 if you can get on your podcast provider of choice, ideally Apple Podcasts, but any will do, and do a little rate review and subscribe. Even a one sentence or one word review can help us move up the charts, and it means that we can have uh, more fandom fans, more fan fans. Fan fans. Um, you know, if you want to put your one word as, uh, it could be anything. It could be Shire. It can be uh, Dwarves Beards. I don't know. Anything you put, uh, <laughs> please go ahead and do that. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thefandomshow, where you can throw some of your hard-earned dollars our way. For a couple bucks a month, you can listen to episodes early. You can get shout-outs. We'll say your name on air. We can even submit hot takes for upcoming episodes, because we'll tell you what they are early. That's exciting. Uh, and, yeah, so check it out. Uh, th and thank you so much for your support. Uh, this month's fan fiction, which you get with uh, with your Patreon subscription, is about the planet Pluto. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, we also want to shout out to our patron, uh, Stuart Farger. Thank you so much. I hope I pronounced that correctly. What's uh, up, thank Stu? you so much for your support. And also, Stu uh, did give us a hot take that I think we can all agree with, which is that Sauron wasn't misunderstood. He was not misunderstood. <laughs> so thank you, Stu, for that hot take. Uh, sorry we didn't bring it up earlier, but I think we all agree with you. So. Yeah, that guy sucks. Uh, our theme song is by Yusu Kim. Uh, and if you have any ideas for future episodes, want to catch up on past episodes, or just want to say hi, you can visit us at thefandomshow.com. So, Kaya, uh, we're going to get to our micro-fandoms. What are you fanning out about this week? You know what? This is a small thing, but I'm noticing in a lot of different fashion lately uh, that there is a new trend towards, uh, in menswear, men wearing pearls um, and, like, a hell of a lot of, like, necklaces and a lot of accessories. And I am so about that. I am so excited that we're getting into a period where men men are allowed to be pretty, you know? Like, with the with the Harry Styles uh, and, you know, all of, the, all of the gay men that came before and... Uh, uh, like sort of made a new version of how to be masculine. I'm I'm loving this. I'm I'm loving that we're in a period where that is acceptable. So wear pearls, wear earrings, do all the things. I'm just nerding out about it so much, and I think it's so delightful. Like nail polish, makeup, go for it. This is all available to you. Aww. Um, I'm fanning out uh, about uh, our fan fans, I will say. Uh, I uh, do most of our Twitter account. Uh, Kai is on there sometimes, but... Uh, just getting to talk with people who have been listening to the show and enjoying the show, uh, because we recorded uh, our previous episodes before we had even released the podcast. So we've finally gotten to engage with you and get to hear your opinions and talk to you about your fandoms. Yay. And like I was talking with someone who their fandom is Nancy Drew computer games. And I thought that was the coolest thing because I had never heard of it in my life. And I got to delve into that world a little bit and get to hear someone else's fandom and that's exactly what the point of this show is is just to share our fandoms and to hear about your fandoms so thank you so much to everyone thank who engages so with our twitter account i just love it so so much steph just bounces around the house i do i make kaya look at all of them i get so excited <laughs> and i happily do because it's so so lovely and thank you for all of your love we so appreciate it um yeah we it, it, the show wouldn't exist without you Yay. No. And we're just so grateful. Uh, so this has been Lord of the Rings. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, love the things you love and tell everyone about them. Bye. The Phantom Show. The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as web comics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.